Welcome back to the Hard Landings Podcast, everybody. I'm Nick. I'm Miranda. And I'm Christy. And this is your listener stories of the month for oh. June and July. <laughs> uh, 2023. Yeah. We're, We're a disaster. It's middle of November. Shh. <laughs> uh, so. We're recording this the week of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. We have one more fully set episode done, ready to go. Yes. And then we have a few, like, we have like four stories that can be put on another one. And we're do we we have standardized what we're doing for listener episodes. We are doing nine stories per episode. That way, we each have three stories to read. Yes, and it works out to a pretty good length without yes. being too long or too short. So, that being said, also send in more stories because we are going to need them soon, and we will try to get back on a regular schedule of doing this. We try, people. Yes, we're trying. As long as they kind of come in regularly, I feel like it's a little bit easier to do. Yeah. We also had a really good streak going there where we were recording twice a week, which helps. Yes. yes. So as long as we're able to maintain that and not uh, die inside. I mean, I'm already a little dead inside, <laughs> depending on the time of year. We can make it work. Yeah. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> Whenever I hear that, I think it's just Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. That's what it is. <laughs> I've come to talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> I got all the Beatles. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nick's going to start. Okay, I'll start. This one's from Gabriel. Wait. Hi, Gabe. So, Hello, Gabriel. Story about Gabriel. Yeah. He goes by Gabe. I found yes. out. He does. Thanks, from, Gabe. Okay. Thanks, from, Gabe. From Kylie. Oh, okay. I was like, hey, does Tiernan hang out with a kid named Gabriel? She's like, you mean Gabe? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, yes, we know Gabe. Gabe is one of our younger listeners. He loves emailing us mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> uh, and he emailed us it. about listener episodes right before the last one got posted. And he was like, I just submitted a story. Is it going to be on the next one? Can it be on that? I was like, you know what? We just recorded one. <laughs> but we'll put it in the next one. Well, uh, we'll make it happen. So he actually like submitted this one earlier this month. Yes. But I was like, you really want to hear it. So. Yep. So this is probably one of the most recent mm-hmm. stories we have. One of them. Yeah. Yes. Goes by he, him. It's from. Washington. Washington. From Maple Valley. Maple Valley, Washington. This one's entitled, A Perfect Time for Security Training, Not. <laughs> what? For context, I'm 11 years old, and I love the podcast. I was in SeaTac Airport about a year ago, and my parents and I were just going through like any other time. Then I saw something. And boy, were we in for a ride. I saw this guy that looked high on something, and then he just ran through security. Then all the security guards started screaming. I couldn't tell if they were saying, run, 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 or bomb, bomb, bomb. Oh, God. So I turned to my mom and asked, what are they saying? Wait a sec. Either way, we shouldn't be here. Then they announced that it was a training exercise and that everything was fine. But thanks to that scary, yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) We were almost late for our flight. Thankfully, we made it. So I guess it's a happy ending after all. Again, love the show. Keep your hair speed up. Thanks. That is a really yeah. Nothing like not telling everybody that there's a training exercise going on and then just sending them through. Like that's that's lovely. We do we do training exercises, but they usually will do it at a closed checkpoint in the night. Yeah, makes sense. So that doesn't happen. Like Mm -hmm. bridge security. Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunately where most of the security breaches seem to tend to happen. (laughs) Is bridge security? Uh huh. Really? Uh huh. Wow. Huh. Interesting. Mm Hmm. Thanks, that's, Gabe. That's not going to be as much of an issue soon because bridge security is going to go away. But yeah, well, security be, will, will be before anything. Definitely. You could just walk over the bridge. Yep. 
instead of going having to go through security to get through it. Yep. Okay. I guess it's my turn. Yep. I guess it's your turn. Please. And guess who is it from? It's from David. It's from David. <laughs> David is from the planet. Thank you, David. Thank you. <laughs> this story is entitled. So there I was. No. So I was there. So I was there. Oh, I can't read. What's the difference between a drone and a rock? A rock doesn't fly away. That's correct. True. A rock doesn't cost hundreds of dollars, or in my case, maybe 30 to $40. But when those 30 to $40 drones fly away, eventually it's in the hundreds cumulatively when replacements are bought. Yes. Yep. And a rock does not need to be registered with the FAA. <laughs> okay, drones also don't true. either. It depends. Depends on the weight. It depends on the weight of the drone. And how big it and is. And the size, yes. Yeah. But the weight is usually the biggest determining factor. I still have a few drones hanging around, but they don't get flown nearly as much as they used to. Instead, I've gone back to an old love of mine, collecting rocks. Some of them are, in my opinion, quite beautiful. And looking at them under UV light is like seeing a previously hidden world. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, I was mm -hmm. there, sitting on a lonely stretch of dirt road called River Road because of its proximity to the Savannah River, minding my own business, trying to brush thick, damp dirt off a piece of chert when I heard the buzzy sound of high-bypass turbofans. I looked up and saw a KC-46 with the refueling boom extended and nice. a C-17 in trail, but not nice. connected to the boom. Oh. In trail with the C-17 was another KC-46. I said, wow, as air traffic, especially military traffic, just isn't very common where I live at. They flew on and it got nice and quieted again, and I knelt back down and continued to clean off the rock I had just dug up. A little later, I ventured down the road a bit to surface collect, which is picking up rocks from the surface with little to no digging. I think it might help to explain a little geology here, that this part of Georgia is called the Fall Line. Millions of years ago, this part of the state was ocean. Yep. North of the Fall Line is the Piedmont region, which is a plateau between the Atlantic Ocean and the Appalachian Mountains. The rocks I find are called chert, which is in the same family as agate, jasper, and flint. As it used to be underwater, there are fossilized marine organisms like bivalves, snails, and coral on the chert. Mm -hmm. I've seen people doing this before, and I think it's actually really fascinating. About 100 yards from where I parked on the side of the road, I saw something that made my brain get all confused and disoriented. Sitting in the middle of the dirt road staring at me was an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> Run away! The south, the south made a south. <laughs> fun, fun fact, when I was in Savannah, like when I was like 12, we were... We were Visiting Savannah because it was the home of Girl Scouts. I was there with my Girl Scout troop. Mm -hmm. We were on a bus mm -hmm. to go like on a, on the Savannah River. Mm -hmm. We were going to a boat. There was an alligator in the middle of the road. Yeah, and I was <laughs> yeah. like, "Holy!" Well, that happens a lot actually in the South because, of course, they are cold blooded and they like warmth every once in a while. So they go to the road where it's warm and they just hang out and they're like, "This is warm." That's now. terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was about five foot long. And an alligator. Yes. <laughs> yep. It ran off the road into the woods, and naturally, I followed and took some pictures with my cell phone. Of course you did. It's like Florida man, but Georgia man. <laughs> then, faster than I can blink, it whipped around 180 and ran towards me. Ah! Nope, 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 nope. Gators, though they be reptiles, have four-chambered hearts like a mammal. Most reptiles have a three-chambered heart. Because of the enhanced oxygenation to their muscles, gators can, in fact, outsprint a horse in short distances. Yep. Um, An adrenalized David can outsprint a gator, as it turns out. Uh, that's <laughs> Obviously, because you live to tell the tale. I stopped when I got back to the vehicle, and luckily the gator had given up at some point. 
I gulped down some ice-cold Mountain Dew and let my heartbeat get below three digits. <laughs> then collected some more interesting rocks until I picked one up that had a small black widow spider <laughs> hanging onto it. <laughs> Things were trying to kill you this day. <laughs> Rock with its spider went far down the road via air delivery, and I decided I'd had enough fun for one day. That's fair. I got some nice rocks with quartz, druzzy crystals, rock crystal, bitrioidal crystals, some fossils, the image of the KC-46s in C-17, some cell phone photos of an alligator, and flying spider. More than enough fun for a middle-aged person on an afternoon. Yep. <laughs> I concur. This huh. is why I live where the wind hurts my face. This is exactly. why I live where the wind hurts my face. And why it's so dry. Although, there's more black widows in Colorado right now, because we had such a humid summer. Yes, we have so many. <laughs> we found like three at our, my school. In the past, like, month and a half. Nope, 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 nope. My boss has one in a mason jar on his desk that he feeds flies. I'm so solid. <laughs> yeah. I'm, okay. I saw a spider at school the other day. I just squished it. I was like, nope. Nope. Not today. Jenna is also keeping one in her house. Oh, Lord. Uh, last I heard it was Perganon Ant. Oh, good. I've, what do you do? I haven't heard anything since. The most recent story about what's pregnant in Jenna's house was the boa constrictor, which had 17 babies. That's a lot of babies, but not all of them survived. No, that's 17 that lived. Oh. There were 20 originally. Oh. You give, you give them away. I mean. She sold them. I yeah, was going to say, sell you them. sell them, but you get rid of them. She's, try she's trying to get her husband to get rid of the breeding pair. Mm -hmm. She's tired of having snakes in the house. I don't blame her. <laughs> she's like, I'd rather have another dog. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. It's easy. Don't keep Black Widows. No. I'm so solid. I want nothing to do with something like that in my house. But they live here. So. Blech. Yeah. Okay. Next okay. story is from Andrew. Hello, Andrew, again. Turbo the trucker. Yep. And he says he's a Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very somewhat reliable car. And he's from Bigfoot's armpit. Which also is known just as the, the, the Pacific Northwest. Pacific Northwest, yes. yeah. And the title, you, you'll, is, you guys will love this. Oh my God, this is such a long title. Uh, hey Spock, hey David, did you know how much text you can put here? It's kind of a lot. And since it's the title, they're basically forced to read it word for word as it would be plagiarism not to. So how are you guys today? David, how many jumps do you have total at this point? Spock, anything interesting going on with you lately? Well, I hope you guys enjoy the story. <laughs> That's the title. That's the title. That is the title that Andrew put on this and story. And then he had a subtitle, fortunately. The subtitle <laughs> is A Love Boat Called the Titanic. <laughs> Thanks for that. This is also quite a lengthy story. I, I also so. can tell you that with each story, he did that with every story. I know. So. I saw. These okay. Are, this one's a lengthy story, so. Yeah, I don't know why I gave me this one. I don't, I don't know. You're I... in for a ride now. <laughs> Hang in there, guys. Sorry, Paige, for the editing. This I'm may so or sorry. may not take. Okay, so you want love stories, eh? Insert maniacal laugh here. <laughs> okay. I'm guessing this is from way back when, because, well, you submitted it in July, but I think you were listening to the February stories. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's when you, okay. But, Probably. All right. That's okay. This is the story of love and loss, and when you should call the cops. Oh, uh, oh boy. Yes. Tray tables up and buckle those seatbelts is a crazy ex story. Oh, no. Oh, no! no! But okay. Now but I'm excited. Spill the tea. <laughs> the tea is piping hot. Wait, I, now I need to go make tea. I have whiskey. That's the wrong thing. Keep sipping on your whiskey. It can also be a, a whiskey. Just don't spill it. It's your metaphorical tea. This is a, this is a sipping story. 
Oh boy. Okay. Maybe I should just down it. <laughs> just chug it. All right. Let's That's go. Not great. Let's go for a ride. All right. The relationship was nothing special. We fought a lot. She was very insecure over things like me watching TV and something like a Victoria's Secret commercial would pop on. Oh, good lord! Come on, man. That's insanely insecure. Yes. Apparently, me saying point zero zero one second of an underwear-clad woman who is heavily photoshopped halfway around the world and way out of my league meant I was going to leave her. See, here's oh, the nice. Lord. Here's the nice thing about being bisexual. We see something like that, and we're both like, ooh. <laughs> you right, she hat. <laughs> Me being straight, I can still be like, yeah, I can see the appeal. <laughs> so this story starts after the third time I broke up with her. Dude. Good Lord. Oh my. Okay, this is where I get into my rant. It was not you, meant to be. If you break up with someone once, you probably should never get back together with them. It was not meant to be. clearly a reason why you broke up. Right. But clearly you didn't get the message. So here we go. He, he's aware. Third time is the charm or something. <laughs> so there I was. Oh. Good Lord. Average Andrew and wingman Wayne. <laughs> I love your nicknames for these things. The alliteration is on point. <laughs> We're enjoying the finest steak their college budgets could afford. The Applebee's Bourbon Street steak is delicious. So was the brownie for dessert. Just as they were wrapping up their meals, Wingman Wayne's phone rings. It's his mom. She informs Wingman Wayne that there was a girl at the house by the name of Not Listening Linda. <laughs> oh man, why'd you have to make it be Linda? <laughs> That makes it much better. (laughs) Looking for average Andrew. Now, this was a problem for a number of reasons. One, average Andrew had cut all communications with not listening Linda. She was still sending him messages as well as harassing his family. So it was fairly clear that she had gone off the deep end. Yes, she is obsessed. Yeah, clearly. Stalker much? And controlling. Two, wingman Wayne's house was an hour's drive from Not Listening Linda's house. Oh, Lord. Three, Not Listening Linda had only been to Wingman Wayne's house twice before this. Mix that all together, and it was suspected that she had already been to Average Andrew's house to find nobody home and was determined enough to then remember the way to Wingman Wayne's house. <laughs> oh, boy. Wingman Wayne. Sipping Wayne. on whiskey. <laughs> As the tea gets hot. This is just getting, this is already way out of hand. <laughs> Should like, I just oh my bring God. the bottle of Crown up here? Oh my God, I know. Wingman Wayne's mother, we suspected, had not had told. had told not listening Linda where the dynamic duo was. Oh God. This gave the two about a 10 minute window to GTFO <laughs> to the Batmobile. To the Batmobile! Batman! Which, in this case, was a fire engine red 1995 Honda Civic. Uh-huh. Perfect. <laughs> not, not exactly um, inconspicuous. A fantastic what? One color plus for... one does not equal two here. No. <laughs> a fantastic color for when you want to hide from someone. <laughs> Send it, yells Wingman Wayne as the two leave the parking lot. But where to go? Wingman Wayne's and Average Andrew's house are now no-fly zones. <laughs> <laughs> we got some TFRs, buddy. <laughs> we gotta go somewhere else. 
The only other option in the area is Bomber Bob. Boomer Bob. Boomer Bob. Boomer Bob. Uh Uh-oh. Boomer Bob. (laughs) Off they go. Boomer Bob is older, but likes hanging out with us 20-somethings to try to feel younger. Obviously, since you called them Boomer Bob. Yep. Average Andrew's car is quickly hidden in the garage. The blinds are lowered and Armageddon is thrown on the TV. <laughs> Good movie. Found out it's actually one of Neil deGrasse Titan's least favorite movies. Really? Oh my God. Wow. Because okay. it breaks so many rules of physics. Yes, it, of course it does. Oh yeah. It's, it's Hollywood. <laughs> yes, Makes it's, sense. It's this- a good movie though, but also really ironic to watch at a time where you're being chased. <laughs> <laughs> like this could be the end, of, uh, the end of me, buddy. Things are quiet for a while as Bruce Willis assembles the best space oil drillers ever. Then suddenly, average Andrew gets a text from not listening Linda. It simply reads, I love the remodeled bathroom. Oh, no. You. Excuse my French, but <laughs> you in particular. This is so creepy. Yeah. Now, once again, this is a problem for a number of reasons. Number one. The remodel she is referring to started after Average Andrew broke up with her. Oh, no. Two, there are no windows in the bathroom she is referring so to. So she got into the house. Three, there's nobody home at Average Oh, Andrew's house. no! <laughs> he put frick, 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 frick. I'm guessing you mean <laughs> <laughs> Wingman Wayne, we gotta go now. Shift that 95 Civic into yeet mode and get moving. <laughs> We're on the go now. I wish this isn't even halfway over. I know. <laughs> As a side note, totally unrelated to the story, a 95 Honda Civic will indeed do 95 miles per hour. <laughs> Completely unrelated. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea how you found that one out. <laughs> huh, weird. Weird. <laughs> Average Andrew and Wingman Wayne get there in record time, all to find nothing. Oh, no. Seems not listening Linda has gotten bored and left. There's a plant. Average. It's a trap. <laughs> it's, a trap. <laughs> it's a trap, dude. It's the, a ambush. The call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Average Andrew locks up the house real good, removes the hidden key that he suspects not listening Linda used, and heads back to Boomer Bob's house with wingman wayne just as bruce willis is successfully saving humanity average andrew's phone rings it's his sister oh short, no short stack sally <laughs> where do you get the names from I'm, I'm sure your sister does not appreciate i hope you title. share this with her <laughs> if this my some... brother called me short stack i'd punch him in the face yeah we, but that right know. there is sibling love <laughs> is, is that what that's called yeah, something like I that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Shortstack Sally informs Average Andrew that she is home and not listening Linda is there, refusing to leave and insisting she talk with Average Andrew. It sounds like she's not listening. <laughs> Weird. It's almost like you named her very aptly. Yes. Worse, she is already in the house. Oh, God. Why? <laughs> like I said, the call's coming from within the It is within the house. Oh, no. Shortstack Sally and average Andrew's parents are out of town this particular weekend as well. So nothing to be done about it. Average Andrew and wingman Wayne gather up their half-finished Pepsis and hit the road again. Also, what were your parents going to do? Also, you should just call the police. Kick her out? Yeah. I don't know. Call the police. <laughs> <sighs> <Anyways>. <laughs> this time at a more leisurely pace. 
You mean not 95 miles an hour? <laughs> no, that was coincidental. <laughs> <laughs> not in the Batmobile. On arriving, not listening Linda has decided the house is not the place to wait. So it's instead in her car in the driveway. Uh, well, at least she's no longer in the house. Yes. Average Andrew and Wingman Wing quickly get into the front door where Andrew stops not listening Linda from entering. He turns to her and says, look, I have nothing to say to you. You are not welcome here. Please leave. Apparently communicating at all was the trigger. Not listening Linda begins an angry tirade about nothing in particular, all while trying to force her way into the house. Average Andrew puts his hands on her shoulders to try to prevent her from entering the house. Don't touch her. Don't do it. This in turn causes not listening Linda to yell, that's assault. You're touching me. Rather than debate the finer points of assault versus breaking and entering and defense of one's property, Average Andrew simply turns to short stack Sally and asks her to call the local sheriff. Like mm-hmm, I said, call mm-hmm. the police. Yep. Call the popo. Fast forward about 10 minutes and we have not listening Linda, Average Andrew, and wingman Wayne in the house entryway with short stack Sally watching from the top of the stairs when the local sheriff deputy arrives. Wow, that's like actually a decent response time. <laughs> How do we get that in Aurora? I know. You don't. No. Deputy competent? Yes, competent Carl. Carl. Deputy competent <laughs> Carl immediately asks everyone to come out of the house and basically gets everyone on a side. Andrew, Wayne, and Sally on one side, Linda on the other, just to see what this is about. Average Andrew tells competent Carl, she is my ex. We no longer have any relationship. This is my house. She is not welcome here. And I would like her to leave. This basically set the tone for competent Carl because he realized that not listening Linda did not live there and was on someone else's property where she was not welcome. Not listening Linda tried to sell competent Carl on some excuse why she deserved to be there. When that didn't work, tried to sell the I was assaulted case, which was quickly discussed and dismissed by the court of Carl. (laughs) (laughs) By this point, all of the banter was all around just getting on competent Carl's nerves as he was asking her why she hasn't just left and gone home yet. This all essentially came to head when competent Carl finally turned to not listening Linda and asked her to very bluntly look. You can either leave here in your car or you can leave here in my car. Which would you like? <laughs> this magically got Linda to listen. Get the road, Jack. And don't listen, Linda. No so now it's listening, Linda, for a moment. <laughs> she thought about it for two seconds. Who needs to think about that? And said, fine, but I have something to give to him first. Competent Carl looks at average Andrew as if asking if it was acceptable. Andrew just shrugs. Finally, listening Linda stomps back to her car and returns with three items. One, a beanie that... I love your lists of three here. Yeah, I like it. I actually like it. It's pretty great. You're a very good storyteller, Andrew. You are. Keep this up. One, a beanie that average Andrew wasn't even sure was his. (laughs) Two, a receipt for who knows what. And three, an empty Mountain Dew bottle... Which, admittedly, probably was his. Okay, so she was just being absolutely... She was being a petty... Insane. Literally insane. Psycho. Yeah. She is psycho. She is trying to find excuses for her presence there Mm -hmm. in your life. Yep. To control you. Finally, listening Linda also informs average Andrew that, oh, and I want the money for the snowboard. 
This was a in reference to a Christmas gift of a snowboard Average Andrew had purchased for not listening Linda. She had decided that she no longer wanted the snowboard, and as part of the breakup, Andrew had given her the receipt for it so she could return it. Rather than return it, however, she apparently wanted to keep it but have Average Andrew give her the money for it rather than the store. That doesn't make any sense. Spoiler alert, that never happened. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With only listening to the cops Linda finally gone, Average Andrew thanks competent Carl for having to put up with this circus and everyone finally gets to go home. Morals from the story. Steaks are delicious. (laughs) Bruce (laughs) Bruce Willis can save the world and I could have really used a full Mountain Dew in the moment. Wheels down, wings up. Turbo the Trucker. P.S. This is part one. Oh, God! <laughs> I am here oh, for no, it. That's... To be fair, that was very entertaining. <laughs> I love this. I should Should la- we make February the crazy X stories instead? Oh! oh, my God, yes. Yes! If you have a crazy X story, you need to send it to us. Please. I have crazy X stories. Okay. I have crazy I don't X laugh stories. At, I, don't la- I don't like laughing or making light of controlling manipulative abusers, because that is absolutely what this is, but your story is told fantastically, and I will absolutely laugh with you in the way you told this. It was so... That was good. <laughs> that was good. Okay. Back to me now. For a story from... David. The David. David. He is, I am me, but they are them. Yes. We are us. And from a generation lost in space. <laughs> this one's entitled Hamhawk. Oh boy. Zach was in my graduating class and voted best dressed. He could have been Lou Ferringo's double on the Hulk TV show back in the day, as Zach was a big, strong kid. I think he benched 400-something pounds our senior year. Holy Jesus. That's heavy. <laughs> yeah, it is. However, Zach was kind of a prissy. <laughs> when putting his football helmet on, he would stretch it as wide as possible and slowly lower it onto his head so as not to mess his hair up. Oh, whatever. I could not believe how strong he was to stretch a helmet like that, but he was that strong. I mean, when you bench 400 pounds. <laughs> also, yeah, I would hope so. Also, yeah. uh... Not that I have any specific experience with this, but um, in researching the history of football helmets, (laughs) (laughs) which is, I do have an actual professional. This came from work experience, by the way. This is not just a random thing. Yeah. She didn't just like, was like, I should study football helmets. Yeah. This was not, this was not uh, a hyperfixation. No. um, It was, it was an assignment. Yes. For, uh, anyway. Football helmets, especially back in, like, uh, last century. Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh. That's why a lot of people have a lot of bad, bad brain injuries Yes, from football. And that's why the NFL is now throwing money at people to please recreate it and make it better. Yeah. Which may or may not be why I did this research. There was a yes. really good movie that starred um, Will Smith that had to do with that. Mm-hmm. don't remember what it's called, but it was a really good movie. Yeah, that's kind of what spurred the NFL to be like, oh, people are looking at us. Fix it. Yeah, yeah. they did it. It was based off a real story of someone who had a really bad traumatic brain injury. They realized yeah. that in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Also, there might um, have been a problem with the I, helmets. I can't remember the name of the disease, but that disease, you don't know you have it until they autopsy your brain. Yep. After you're dead. Yep. So, anyway. anyway. Moving forward. Moving on. <laughs> he and I were in early American literature in the old middle school building. And Mrs. Skinner, the teacher of that class, went on an extended medical leave. 
and Mrs. Davis was the substitute. Mrs. Davis looked like the old lady on the Tweety Bird cartoons. <laughs> That's fantastic. In class, apparently, Zach missed her saying what her name was. So he turned to Randy, who was sitting on Zach's left, and asked what her name was. Randy said, Miss Hamhawk. <laughs> oh, no. Miss Hamhawk, Zach. Zach said, it is not. Randy said, yeah, Zach, it's Hamhawk. Oh, no. No. You're the kind of people I dread. Uh, I know where this Coming is going. Coming from a teacher. Oh, that sucks. So Zach turned to Mark, who sat behind Randy, and asked him. Mark said, Hamhawk. Then he turned around and asked me. I, too, said her name was Hamhawk. David, don't <laughs> you be part of the problem. <laughs> you are not the solution. This is why I hate <laughs> teenagers. Oh, uh, this just gets, oh, uh, this goes really fast. So Zach raised his hand and said, Miss Hamhawk. No! <laughs> she turned into a werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> she slammed her hand down on the teacher's desk so hard it sounded like a rifle shot. Then she screamed, my name is Mrs. Davis, in a voice from the omen. And she wrote th on the chalkboard, Davis, in huge letters. <laughs> Oh, that, that set off something bad. <laughs> the whole time, Mrs. Davis was yelling and writing on the chalkboard. Zach was shaking like he was being shocked or something. She stared at him with a death stare, and he said, I'm sorry, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> Zach then turned to look at Randy and said, I'm going to get you. Then he looked at Mark, going to get you. Then he turned and looked at me and said, going to get you. Which, uh -oh. is, which is, by the way, yes. Yes, he, he can bench 400 yes. pounds. You just made an enormous mistake. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't condone bullying. <laughs> but <laughs> you. <laughs> okay? That was so rude and mean. <laughs> so, uh-oh, our gentle giant was now pissed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you brought this on yourself. Yeah, yep. you did. I was right next to the door, and Mark turned so that he could vault over my desk and run away <laughs> when the bell rang. Randy was sort of trapped. The bell rings. I'm gone. Mark is right behind me. And we both run up the hallway and stop and turn around to look. Zach comes out of the classroom with Randy in a headlock. <laughs> and Randy is not a small kid. He's somewhere around 170, 180. He played guard on the football team. Zach was a tackle. Anyway, Zach drags Randy out into the hallway. And he, then he picks Randy up and lifts Randy over his head and throws him on top of the lockers. <laughs> Randy looks down and Zach shakes his finger at Randy. Then Zach looks up the hallway and points at me and Mark. It was like being stared at by the Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> we ran away and Zach cooled down enough to think the whole thing was pretty funny a day or two later. I'll never forget how big Randy's eyes got when he was flung on top of the lockers like he weighed nothing. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Them some old-timey bully stories. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Wow. I, I might call that justified. <laughs> I'm gonna call it justified. You did that to the kid who can use you as a football. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad idea. That's like how you could tell that their brains aren't fully developed yet. Yes. <laughs> like they, didn't think that, they really didn't think that through. That one was not thought through at all in the moment. It's definitely a guy thing to do, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, next story is from Andrew. Andrew! We're trading back and forth. Long time no see. I have a feeling I know what happens next. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he uses he, him pronouns and identifies as Bigfoot's buddy. Nice. And he is from D.B. Cooper's Drop Zone. Uh -huh. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, like, really. Yep. Nope. 
This is entitled. <clears throat> hey, Spock. Hey, David. I think David already mentioned this, but D.B. Cooper. Yeah, he's super dead. He's super dead. <laughs> BT Dubs, we covered an episode on BT. Deep. Wow. What? D.B. Cooper. <laughs> yes. Cooper? A while back. You should like go listen to that if you haven't. But yes. I actually live only a handful of miles from where he supposedly came down. A winter storm in that area is not fun, even if you're dressed properly. Suit and loafers, even if you did make it to the ground, super dead. Super dead. <laughs> if you guys ever want to go hunting for some D.B. Cooper money, let me know. <laughs> that was the title. <laughs> Subtitle. The love boat's rudder makes some odd turns. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> this story starts about three years after my last one. I had taken some time off of school, long and boring story, and had come back, finished my degrees at my community college, and transferred to Central Washington University. Fantastic aviation program there, by the way. If any of your listeners are wondering, I know a couple who might be. Tiernan and Gabriel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, one day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. While there, I discovered that a girl I went to elementary school through high school with was also in the city, and we started hanging out to catch up. One thing led to another. She was very impressed with the 95 Honda Civic, and we started dating. <laughs> Great. So there we were. <laughs> Spock, I think I owe you some royalties at this point. <laughs> Average Andrew and Trilly Trista had only started dating about two weeks prior. On this particular night, it's summer just south of Seattle. A nice warm night, and as two college students with no money, what do you do? Go stargazing. So we head out into Bigfoot territory to find a spot with a decent view. On the way, we are passing by Flaming Geyser State Park. That's a thing? Yes. And that is because on certain times of year, when the sun hits the geyser just right, it looks like it is a flame. Cool. When are we going? I don't know. Whenever that actually happens. Anyways. As the road winds around, coming into view is a park ranger truck. Ranger Rick is out of his vehicle and talking with three other people. The really strange part is Denim Dave is climbing down from the fence. <laughs> well, that's odd. Great. But as there's really no reason to stop, Average Andrew and Trilly Trista move on. Down the road, another half mile is an overflowing parking lot that is perfect for some late night stargazing. They pull in, noticing that there's one other car there, but no other people. Find a little grass spot and lay out the blankets. Average Andrew and Trilly Trista are not even there for five minutes before another vehicle pulls into the parking lot. It's Ranger Rick, and in the bed of Ranger Rick's Ford Ranger are Denim Dave and his two friends. <laughs> Ranger Rick drops them off at the other vehicle and leaves. Hmm. Chatty Kathy is going on about some injustice. Denim Dave is trying to calm her down, and Pyro Pete... <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Uh-oh. ...is busy trying to get his lighter working. I don't like that nickname. <laughs> the odd part is our three amigos are not actually getting in their car. They're just kind of hanging out in the parking lot, all about 30 feet away from a- Average Andrew and Trilly Trista. It's highly likely that the three amigos do not even realize Average Andrew and Trilly Trista are there all about uh, 30 feet away. It is dark, I imagine. Chatty Kathy soon starts making phone calls, trying to s- find someone to come pick them up. While she's doing this, Pyro Pete and to a lesser extent, Denim Dave have started pulling sticks and small branches out of the woods, and Pyro Pete starts a small campfire in the parking lot. As you do, I guess. I guess. Now, starting a fire at a state park parking lot isn't Odd enough choice, but yes. what was really confusing was his choice of location. Pyro Pete has chosen to start his fire about three feet from their vehicle. No, 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 while this insanity is taking place, Average Andrew and Trilly Trista are listening to Shadi Kathy's various phone calls and have managed to piece together what's going on here. 
It seems the three amigos were at the park to float the Green River. This is pretty common in the area. Sure. Also, that's how you get killed. Yep. Yep. It, he wasn't called the Green River Killer for nothing. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Anyways. You can park one vehicle in the park and the other in the overflow lot we are currently in. Float the Green River and then use the second vehicle to get back to the first. This Actually, is- um, Nick's dad's family does that all the time. Yeah. yeah, they float rivers around there. I don't think they've done the Green River. No. But I don't it- think they usually go to Washington. They've been to Washington a few times. They've done river floating in Washington. They go on the other side of the Columbia. Yeah, but not up that far, not up to the Green River. No. But they also, they mainly stay in Washington, or in Oregon. Yeah, a lot, yeah. But there's rivers in all of them. But they do do that. There's rivers in all, in both, so. Turns out, in the Pacific Northwest. Yes, that is just how that works. Yep. Anyways. The real problem our new friends have run into is while floating the river, they managed to lose the keys to the vehicle in the <gasps> overflow lot. Awesome! Oh, no. They also had started so late that by the time they got out of the river, the park gates were closed. So even though they still had the keys to the vehicle inside the park, they couldn't get to it. Awesome. Which does beg the question, even if Ranger Rick had not stopped Denim Day from climbing the fence, what exactly was his plan once he got to the vehicle inside? Lovely. The brain ain't braining. No, it's not braining. Regardless, it seems Chatty Cathy has found someone to give them a ride home, but the problem is they are coming from Tacoma. Oh, no. Which is at least a 30-minute drive away. Yep. Yeah. Pyro Pete's fire is going well enough to supply them with some heat at this point, so they all gather around to wait. Uh-oh. Fast forward a bit, and their r- ride arrives. Now, if you knew you were going to pick up three people at around 10.30 at night and had to drive them a half hour away, you might consider what vehicle you're bringing with you. <laughs> right? Oh, no. Tight Pants Tammy shows up with a single cab pickup truck to get the three amigos. <laughs> no! Worse, she brought her boyfriend Billy Blue Jeans with her. <laughs> so with no actual seats, the three amigos pile into the bed of the pickup truck for what I'm sure was the most comfortable ride ever. <laughs> to Pyro Pete's credit, he did put out the fire before leaving. I would hope Okay, so. good. Once the circus crew had all left, Average Andrew and Trilly Trista quickly realized that nothing they could talk about would be as memorable as the events they had just witnessed, so might as well pack up the blankets and call it a night. <laughs> yeah. To be continued, question mark? Uh-oh. Wheels down, wings up, turbo the trucker. Oh, my God. Uh, so good, so good. I'm glad nothing happened to the car, because otherwise that would have been an even more eventful evening. Yeah, uh, blow, blow up your car. <laughs> we go from stargazing to an explosion. car aflame. <laughs> uh, yeah, gazing, which, by the way, you got to do recently. Flaming oh, vehicles. Oh, yeah. You need to tell that story sometime on the podcast because I got to know more tea. I told my mom what happened the other day. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and he almost hit me too. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway, we'll tell that story on a post episode. Yeah. It's, you're going to have to remind me because it's freaking crazy. Yep. All right. Next one's from David. David. Must you yell? Yeah. Yes. Do you know me? Hello. Hello. Uh, you haven't even had any alcohol. <laughs> no, I haven't. This is just my normal, everyday New Yorker. <laughs> yes. I come from New York people, so. Yes. That's and Chicago. Make you a New Yorker. Chicago people and New York people. Loud. Loud. Not as loud as some of my other family members. But loud. Okay. Uh, he identifies as a um, rock hound, aviation geek, and I know things. Fair enough. Okay. And he's yes, from the land of Nod. <laughs> His story is entitled Royce Williams. Okay. Assuming We're about to learn about another wild story for about another wild I, person you know. I yep. love David's history lessons. Let's Royce Williams. Ever heard of Royce Williams? I, I don't think so. think so. Yes. I no, don't. I don't, don't matter. I'm going to tell you his story anyway. Okay. Thanks. I'm ready. Royce was a naval aviator during the Korean War. A fighter pilot. Flying the Grumman F-9F Panther. Cool. 
the U.S. Navy's main fighter of the time, mm-hmm. although it was a very capable bomber. Capable. Cap- capable? Yes. Wow. My brain does not know how to... <laughs> a very capable bomber platform as well. That also has a baseball cap, apparently. Yes. Yes. He was a member of VF-781 aboard the USS Oriskany? Yes, Oriskany. As part of Task Force 77 off the coast of North Korea. Also, before I go on, someone should draw an F9F panther with a hat on it. <laughs> with a baseball cap. Yes. <laughs> we'll put it on some merch. There we go. Navy- Excellent. <laughs> and be like, there you go. There you go. The- it's very capable. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there we go. The the APB is out there. The bolo's out. Uh, I'm sorry. Send I know I know some of you are artists. Don't tell me you're not. So send it in. You do do, do it. your best. You should do it. I feel like it would be really funny. Do your best. Have have a little smile. Be like, hey. Hey. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Navy and Marine aviation mostly flew in support of ground forces dropping ordnance. Mm-hmm. However, on the 18th of November, 1952, he was flying CAP, Combat Air Patrol, on the lookout for the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was in a section of four Panthers when they spotted seven MIG-15s. Yeah, MIG-15s. MIG MIG-15s. What? I know we've said what MIGs are before, but can you remind me? Russian fighter jets. Okay. We know likey. For various reasons, three of the Panthers had to return to the Oriskany. Yep. Okay. That left Williams alone with seven MiG-15s and in a dogfight that would last over 30 minutes. That is brutal on the body. uh, That is less than ideal conditions. It is less than ideal, of course, but having to do this for 30 minutes is also incredibly brutal on the body. Oh, yeah. I can't even tell you how actually detrimental that is to your health. (laughs) Very. Dogfights were never like good for people anyways, but having to do it for a long period of time. 30 minutes probably felt like days. Yeah. To him when you're pulling that many G's and on that much adrenaline. And you're trying to put force and you're trying to, you right. know, fight yeah, back on, and all that stuff. You're on that much adrenaline and having to do maneuvers that the airplane can barely do. Yeah. Actively trying to not die. Yeah. Right. That is that is oh crazy. Yeah. But good piloting. Elmer Royce Williams was born in South Dakota. In the year 1925. In 1941, he enlisted in the Navy after Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. Getting his wings in 1944, Royce stayed in the Navy post-war and was a lieutenant, same as a captain in the other barracks or branches. Yeah, the other branches. That doesn't make sense. Other (laughs) branches. Yep. When the Korean War began. Earlier that faithful morning of 18th of November... There had been a strike against ground targets in extreme North Korea near the Soviet border. Intelligence sources aboard the cruiser that was part of Task Force 77 and in attendance to the Oriskany had information the Soviets were sending the seven MiGs to exact revenge on the Oriskany. Mm-hmm. This set the stage for an epic battle that would pit seven Soviet naval fighters against one naval aviator, Royce Williams. The Panther that Williams flew was inferior to the MiG in just about every way possible. The Panther was armed for air-to-air with four 20 millimeter millimeter cannons. Mm -hmm. The MiG had two 23 millimeter and a 37 millimeter, way bigger than the 20 millimeter. Yep. However, the 22 millimeter had a faster firing rate than either of the MiG cannons. 
The MiG was faster, could climb higher, and was more maneuverable depending on the altitude and speed. Lacking hydraulic assist when flying at high speed, the MiG's stick might as well have been in concrete. Yeah. Trying to turn an airplane that's flying at that kind of rate of speed, you're having to actually put that amount of force against the wind. It's like not... It's like steering without power steering. Yeah. Which, by the way, really hard. Yes. So imagine trying to do that when the airplane is flying at insane rates of speed. Yeah. It's And you're trying to put that amount of force into the air? No. Yeah. No. 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 That's why it needs, you know, <laughs> hydraulics. However, the MiGs were being flown by actual Soviet pilots with a lot of experience in the type. Williams, no slouch himself, would have his hands full. Climbing up to meet the MiGs, the MiGs were transiting down at high speed to engage the Lone Panther. For the next 30 minutes, Royce Williams put on a show of airmanship that might still be unsurpassed. I believe it. Slamming the stick right and left, forward and back, while simultaneously dancing on the rudder pedals and moving the throttle back and forth. Williams shot down four of the seven and damaged two more. A MiG got behind Royce and raked his Panther with the heavy caliber shells knocking out his hydraulic system and introducing parasitic 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 yeah drag from jagged aluminum or aluminium depending on who where you are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now sticking up along the wings interrupting airflow yep Royce's wingman had by now rejoined the fight and drove off the MiG from behind Williams who dove into a cloud deck he broke out of the cloud at 400 feet and found the only control service still working was his elevators. Oh, Lord. He contemplated ejecting, but the Panther needed over a thousand feet of altitude to be in a climb for the seat to work properly. And he's only 400 feet. Yeah. In more outstanding airmanship, Williams, using the elevators, trapped aboard Oriskany with 263 cannon hits in his Panther. Mm-hmm. Trapped aboard? What does that mean? Like crashed aboard the ship? Uh, trap is to catch the cable. Oh, the cable. Oh, okay. That I could not figure out what the hell mm-hmm. that... I think that's what my brain was trying to figure out is what that meant. Okay. Mm-hmm. Williams using the elevators trapped aboard the Oriskany with 263 cannon hits on his Panther. Jesus, 263 oh. holes in the that's airplane. That's a lot. The fact that he was able, even able to get back to the carriers, like... Nuts. Geez. Absolutely insane. No wonder Grumman was nicknamed the Iron Works. Yep. That magnificent F9F5 was pushed over the side as it was considered irreparable. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. They literally were like, eh, there's so many holes in this thing. Just at this point, it was a paperweight. And don't get me wrong. Like, I'm sure it would be a museum piece if people could have gotten their hands on it. Yeah. But when you're talking about the Navy and the budget they have, but also that and stuff too. Yeah. But yeah. now they have an airplane that doesn't work on a deck, but they need to get one that does work on the deck for the pilots they have. Just dump the one you've got. It's yep. not worth anything. Don't even try to save it. Just dump it. They put it in the ocean. <laughs> the task force commander summoned Williams for a debrief. Later, he would share a whiskey with President Dwight D. Eisenhower, <laughs> who asked Williams to keep his fight with the Soviets' mum. Royce Williams never spoke of his epic battle <laughs> with anyone until it was declassified in 2002. When the Soviet Union fell and its archives released, they had a record of the dogfight, which revealed only one MiG landed that day. Wow. Williams, who is in his 90s, is now enjoying the accolades. 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 He missed out on 71 years ago. He was awarded the Navy Cross, a little late, 
second only to the Medal of Honor. Williams flew combat in Vietnam in the A-4 Skyhawk Mm -hmm. and F-4 Phantom. Mm -hmm. Commanded the USS El Dorado, which is huge, Mm -hmm. an amphibious force command ship, and retired as a captain, colonel, and other branches Mm -hmm. in 1980. Interviews given by Williams about the incident can be found on YouTube and various aviation-oriented podcasts. That's cool. It's crazy. That is crazy. I can't imagine having to keep that to yourself. That, yeah. For yeah, for so, so long. So long. Mm-hmm. A lot of stories that are like that throughout history, though, that we just won't know about, don't know about. They always say war. Because they can't right. talk about it. It's classified. Right. Well, and they always say, I mean, they can't talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. A lot of times things happen and then the people die in war still and those stories will never get told and we don't yeah. know about it. I mean, war is mostly an untold story. Yeah. Every war is mostly an untold story. Like, we hear a lot of stories from a lot of wars. We think we know everything we about World War II and the reality is we probably don't even know 1% of everything that happened in World War II. There was so much that war in general is so complicated mm-hmm. and it's it spans so big that it's hard to yeah. know everything about well, any of the wars that have happened. You have to think about it. I mean, there's basically a billion people's worth of stories from that period of time that were involved in the war, more than that even. And that's a billion stories where we don't even know, you know, literally a, 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 a thousandth of a percent of yeah. that worth of actual stories. It's like um, we, we, we went to a World War II museum in uh, England, Portland, England, mm-hmm. and they... Um, have an entire wall talking about some soldiers' experiences on D-Day mm-hmm. that aren't shared. Right. The people that died first. Yep. Um, and it says on the wall, it says, if you can get through it, it's heavy. Yep. And it's long. Yep. But you'll know more about D-Day. Right. Because you read it. And it's rough. Yeah, it I is. Mean, in reading it, the whole thing seems so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like, so much unnecessary death. It, it seems mm-hmm. pointless. Like, you're getting off a boat only to know you're going to get shot down. Right. But that was the whole thing. Is kind of D-Day was built as a human shield. Yeah. Like, it was a wall. It was a literal human wall where we knew we were going to lose a lot of people. But we needed to break through. But it was pushing all of that forward to get through their wall. Yeah. And that's literally what it was. It was like human wall against human wall and just literally pushing. Well, and a lot other. of people don't even realize the extent of what happened on d No, God, like, no. They know that that was one of the reasons we won the war, but they don't realize the I think a lot of people, casualties that happened. Well, yeah, and I think a lot of people sides. don't understand what the context is of D-Day and the fact that it was everything had been, like, most of the troops had been pushed out of Europe from the Germans, like all the other, the, the, the rebel forces and everything were pushed out. And had to retreat, and they were taking land really quickly. They had taken all of France, and this was now the Allies' attempt to literally to get go back on back main, in, man, main back into mainland Europe, Europe yeah. and push back. Yeah. And that was the whole reason for it. It was like we have literally been pushed out. Now it's our turn to push back. Yeah, it's crazy. I it mean, is. I'm I love especially World War II stories, mm-hmm. but stories but things like this gen- still. Like I mean, every war, Korean War. Vietnam, anything like there's always crazy stories like this, and yeah, like that is just absolutely insane. I mean, a fragment of many fragments. We took our hat to you, Rice Williams. So, one of the guys I go to church with, his name is Tom. Pretty sure his middle name is Trouble. (laughs) (laughs) 
he comes up to visit mom and I in the sound booth all the time. Caitlin got to meet him today. Mm-hmm. And he just has the stupidest jokes. <laughs> He's an older guy. His joke today was, my kids wanted to get a cat for Thanksgiving. I told them that turkey is normally what's served. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. Lord. So at one point, mom and I were talking about the podcast, and he's like, oh, you have a podcast? About what? I'm like, about plane crashes. And he's like, so I was in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Jesus. And that's all he would say. He gave me a book. It is sitting on the piano. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's where that came from. Yes. He used to fly in Cobra helicopters. Oh. Yep. That's, he didn't even say anything when he gave it to me. Wow. So. Gotta I, read it. All three of us have to read that at some point. Yep. All right, next one. My turn. This one's from Sublight, who goes by he, him, or Monster. Yeah, because it's his name, full name is Sublight. Sublight Monster. Which is clearly like a nickname. Yeah, oh yeah, it's absolutely a nickname. Um, Originally from Boston, now Tokyo. He's one of our patrons. Yes. Hi. (laughs) Has been for a long time. Yes. We're trying to make it to your side of the world. Yes, we're trying. I promise, we're going to try again. Can we come stay with you? <laughs> That's asking you, a lot. I don't know if you'd have enough space. That's asking a lot. Japanese, or... they don't have a lot of space. They don't have a lot of space. <laughs> the hotels are cheaper there. Don't worry about it. We're fine. This one's entitled, Two Stories, Kind of, Sort of, Aviation Related from My First Years Teaching in, in Japan. Cool. Right. Cool. I don't know if these are really on topic. Not, none. There's no topic anymore. There's no topic. <laughs> There's funny. kind of topics. But there's no. Uh, if topic. you've caught on to anything that we've been talking about in any of these stories, almost none of it is aviation related or topic based anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Which is okay. It's great. I love it. Anyways, let's just pretend they took place in the summer or save them for September and call them back to school stories. Okay, great. Whatever. For a long time, I've wanted to contribute a listener story, but I've never felt like I had anything that was really aviation related to talk about. Who cares? Then I remembered wait a minute. I forgot I used to train fighter pilots. What? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. How'd you forget about that? <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Actually, I just taught them English. Oh, well, you know. I mean, still. When I first moved to Japan in 1995, do you have a Honda Civic? <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was it red? Is it red? <laughs> They're built there. Anyways, when I first moved to Japan in 1995, the school I worked with had a contract with Hamamatsu Air Base, part of the Japan Air Self-Defense Force. Trainee pilots got transferred from base to base for different stages of their training. And Hamamatsu was where pilots on the fighter track, the other tracks being cargo and rescue, received their first jet experience flying Kawasaki T-4s. This meant that I got to meet all of Japan's fighter pilots from the classes of 95 and 96. That's That's pretty cool. That's crazy. The English lessons were, to be honest, pretty (laughs) half Fair enough. Okay. The school I worked for had no certifications, no lesson plans, no textbooks, and no guidance on why the pilots needed to study English. The owner was a master schmoozer who'd been doing interpreting and liaison work since the war. The war! The The war! war! Despite this very questionable English skills. Had they ever told us how the pilots would be using English, the kind of situations they'd need to navigate, etc., I'm sure I could have been more useful. But as a slacker just out of college on my own and flush with beer money, (laughs) I'm afraid I didn't put much effort into striving for excellence. I mean, would it have to do with the fact that most pilots have to know English because it's the language of aviation anyway? Yes. Yes. Especially for radio work. That would be my guess. Yep. Yeah, but if they don't tell you that. Right. 
what are you supposed to do with that? Yeah, but that, I mean, knowing what we know, that would be my best educated guess. Right. The students, for the most part, were friendly, but fairly indifferent to learning English. And in most cases, the 9 a.m. classes came just after their early morning flight exercises. So they were often ready to fall sound asleep. Fair enough. (laughs) Same. Yep. Typically, when I'd have a new group of students, I'd ask them why they joined the Japan Air Self-Defense Force. And the answers were evenly split between, I've always wanted to fly, and because my father was a pilot, and uh, also because of Top Gun. I still have never seen Top Gun. God, we gotta watch that. I just heard so many people scream at you. I'm sorry. I know I need to watch it, and I'm sure it's great. I just have not watched it. God, we gotta watch it. We'll watch it on the big screen. Yeah. We gotta do it. We gotta do both. Yes. We gotta do the Top Gun and then Top Gun Maverick. Yes, we, we have to. I have told you what my boss named his daughter, right? Maverick, right? Yeah. It's because of that movie. Yeah. He won't say that's why. But that's why. He's a nerd. That's okay. It's fine. Anyways, when classes would get slow, they would occasionally suggest that we go out to the hangar so they could show me their planes. I'm not sure how many rules this violated, (laughs) but on on at least three occasions, I got to sit in a parked T4. That's cool. And I know one of the other teachers broke a, a simulator by accident. Oh! No! Oopsies! Oops. <laughs> that was almost 30 years ago, so the students are all probably either senior officers or retired from the military by now. I hope I'll run into some of them again someday. The other story I have from that time is only tangentially related to airplanes, but it's one I'll always remember. I should preface this by saying that it's a story I was told by a student, so I can't guarantee it's 100% accurate. That's okay. Yep. I had one English class for a group of adults, the oldest of which was a 76-year-old man, Mr. N. His English was quite good. He was mainly taking the class to have fun socializing with the housewives. (laughs) Got it. He had been born in 1920, which put him right at conscription age during the height of the war. The The war! In 1944, he was drafted into the Imperial Army and sent off to the front. Ooh. He said that while he was being transported to Burma, the group of ships he was with captured, quote unquote, quote unquote, a U.S. submarine that had run aground. Looking through records, this was probably the USS Darter, which had to be abandoned and scuttled after grounding itself on a reef. Hmm. In any case, Mr. N arrived in Burma and, according to him, promptly got captured by the British and sent to a POW camp. He never talked about actual fighting experiences, and I never asked. Probably a good idea. Yep. This is where his life-changing moment happened. The camp was British-run, but there was one American officer stationed there as well. One day, an American supply plane flew over the camp and airdropped a load of crates, included amongst all of the basic goods and daily supplies out in the middle of the jungle, and a war zone was baseball equipment. Enough to outfit an entire team. Mr. N saw that, and it shattered his entire worldview. He knew that the Japanese military had barely been able to provide their soldiers with basic equipment, medical supplies, and food, and frequently soldiers on the front lines had nothing at all. He also knew that people back home were going hungry, and almost the entirety of Japan's agricultural and industrial capacity going to fighting the war. And here was the U.S. airdropping a crate of baseball equipment on a POW camp in Burma. The idea that not only could they fly something so inconsequential all the way to the other side of the world, just for one U.S. soldier, but that their position at home was so secure and their production capacity so high that this was something they even thought they should do. In that moment, Mr. N said he knew Japan had no hope, that America was the winning side, and 
that as soon as the war was over, that was where he was going to go. After the war, he spent the next several decades traveling and working in, in as many different parts of the world as he could. I just want to repeat, this was Mr. N's story, and there are parts that feel implausible. It's possible he mistook what was in the crates. It's possible he just heard about it from other prisoners, and the story of the contents got exaggerated through the grapevine. It's possible there were many other U.S. servicemen at the camp that he never saw. It's also possible that it was a staged propaganda stunt for the prisoners to show how well-supplied the Allies were. Whatever the case, it made a huge impression on his life. Thanks for slogging through all of this, and keep your ears beat up. Thanks. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, wild. I mean, we don't get to hear stories from people who are actually in the war. No. Wild. Not I mean, that, maybe it not happened that maybe, war. Right. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. We don't know. Although, I do have to say that, I mean, Japan was going, they were starving by the end of the war. Oh, yeah. The whole country. Yep. It, it was bad. That war was brutal. Yeah. The war. The war. I've heard a lot of firsthand accounts about that part of the world during World War II from mm-hmm. my family who were They were there. Guam. Yes. Right? Oh, they were in the Philippines. Were they in the Philippines? Yes. That Which... was occupied by Japan. Yes. Yes. And then eventually by the U.S., but we don't talk about that. It well, was no. supposedly better under the U.S., but I can't imagine it was that much You know, better. Uh, <laughs> my grandmother's brothers were captured by the Japanese and tortured to death. Mm-hmm. And they, I've heard mixed stories about how my great-grandfather died, but he, one way or the other, was killed by the Japanese. And in Japan-occupied Philippines, my, both my grandparents were forced to learn Japanese in schools. Yep. Yep. So when I came home from middle school one day saying, hey, I'm learning Japanese. None. They were not happy. They were That shocked. did not go over well. Understandably. Now, Japan has changed completely. I mean, yes. It is its complete polar opposite from what it was in the 40s. But you can also imagine. But I understand why that would give them a lot of shock. PTSD. Yep. Not that they would ever use that phrase. No. But Um, it's 100% a trauma response. It's a generational PTSD, too. Yes. Yes. I understand. There's been people that are in the class like right before us that had Mm -hmm. the same experience. Or, like, one of them's from Korea, the other one's from families from Japan. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they were friends was a whole issue. Yes. <laughs> Much less, like, if they ever had started dating, it would have been a whole thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Again, different world we live in now. Yes, but hearing firsthand accounts of that. Yes. Oh, don't get me wrong, it was just horrible. growing up, it's... I, you learn a lot about the European theater, and yes. not as much about the Pacific theater, especially mm-hmm. Southeast Asia. It was arguably worse. Much worse. Not even arguably. The stuff that yeah. the Japanese did to people. Yeah. Horrible. Atrocious. Yep. Unspeakable. Yep. Uh, people say the same about Germans, and that is true, but uh, Japan did worse. Well, and we don't, because not a lot of people were involved in that theater, other than the Japanese and a lot of the people that they took over. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know for sure what really happened, unless you have historians, but... And Oof. not not to say yeah. that the Nazis were kind in any way. No, but, God, no. Um, they were horrible. They, they were uh, all horrible. They were efficient and quick for millions of people's deaths. Yeah. Many people were just on a train and then in a shower. Yep. That is not what happened to whatever the Japanese. Well, the Japanese happened. weren't going for full extinction. The no. Germans were. So. But the Japanese also viewed anybody not them as 
very inferior. Yes. And so they treated everybody that way. They didn't do it in a way in terms of, they don't get me wrong, murder. But they weren't trying to, you know, they weren't going for extinction. No. They were Extermination. Going, yeah, or extermination. They That's were, what the Germans were doing. Right. They, well, they did that. That wasn't necessarily the intention. The intention was absolute dominance. That's all. For Japan? Yeah. Yeah. Their, their goal was to have absolute dominance over everybody they considered inferior to them. Anyway. Anyways. Moving on. Moving on from the war. Wow. How? Wow. Okay. The war. The war. The war. Thank you. Okay. Welcome back to Andrew. <laughs> Hello, Andrew. Hi. I'm ready to laugh again. <laughs> that was rough. That was rough. <laughs> that was rough. Andrew identifies as cousin It. Yep. Okay. Is from right here. And this story cool. is entitled, Hey Spock, David, Poker Night is at my place at eight this Friday. See you there. Spock is bringing those super special chips. And David said he would bring that dip that's illegal in five countries. <laughs> Dude. These, these titles. <laughs> I'm waiting for David and Spock to respond. Oh, God. I think I remember when the first one of these came through with the, hey, did you know you can put as much text as you want in this? And it was like, oh, no. Miranda, you got to fix it. Miranda, you got to fix it. Don't fix it. I can't fix it. Don't it's fix how it. the website is. I can't fix it. Don't so. fix it. It's funny. Subtitle, The Love Boat Pulls Into Port. Uh -oh. oh, here we go. All right, is this part three? Part three. <laughs> All these love stories. So for once, all characters in this story are the same as my last. Okay. So once again, the story is another two-ish years after my last. I had been going for a degree in photography, but as Central Washington University didn't offer a specific photography degree, what I could do is do a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree. The real difference is that I would have to study other disciplines beyond photography as part of my degree. Not a huge thing. As I had taken some welding classes in my time at community college, I knew I liked working with metal, so might as well try the jewelry classes. So there I was. So there he was. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Do you wish there was whiskey in there? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm okay with the grape. <laughs> Average right. Andrew's first quarter in jewelry had gone well. He managed to create a ring for Trilly Trista that had taken a good eight hours of work to make. Put that ring in a box, in a box, in a box, in a box. Seven boxes in total, so the final box was almost a three-foot cube <laughs> that he gave to her for Christmas. <laughs> I would have hit you in the head with a box. Yep. And put that box in another box, and then I'll mail that box to myself. And then when it arrives, I smash it with a hammer. <laughs> <sighs> this ring was just for fun, as I had only been dating for six months at this point. Now, however, it was nearly two years later. Average Andrew had graduated into the advanced jewelry classes, and as such, was able to select his own assignments. He Excellent. basically made rings. That's pretty neat. Yep. They seemed to be an interesting subject for him, so might as well stick with it. Early on, though, he realized a few things. One, this is his last chance to make anything for Trilly Trista. I was going to say, here's mm -hmm. a, here comes another list of three. Two, if you have access <laughs> to the tools, use it while you can. And most importantly, three, Applebee's Bourbon Street Steaks are delicious. <laughs> Bring it all the way back. Really uh, good thing we read all of these. God, you're such other. a good storyteller. Keep. Doing I tried this. to make sure I kept them in order because it was like part one, part two, <laughs> yeah. part three. Now I'm very glad I did. That. Yes. <laughs> but thinking ahead, average Andrew and tr had Trilly Trista come into the jewelry lab to measure all of her fingers. Sometimes in the process of creating a ring, you can only size it within a window. So if he has measurements for all of Trilly Trista's fingers, then he should be able to make each ring work. Or at least that's what Average Andrew told Trilly Trista. In reality, there was only one finger he really wanted to know the size for. 
The others were just bonuses. I think I know what finger it was. Thank thank God you never had to learn that. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what size my ring finger is? I did. I think I know. What do you think? A seven or seven and a half. Damn, you think I'm skinny. It's nine. Oh, is it bigger? Yeah. It's an eight and a half. Eight and a half. Really? Okay. Okay. See, because mine's like mine. Mine is like a five. (laughs) I thought it was a nine. Oh my god, your finger's so big. Big fingers. You know that doesn't even fit on mine. <laughs> you have chunky hands. I got sausage hands. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my fingers don't really look like they're not that sausagey because my hand is just it just it's fits. It's all the same. So to, it's all proportional. So to explain, when Nick and I were shopping for engagement rings, there's a independent place by us that we were able to bring heirloom stones. And we were able to help in the design of the ring. So it's one right. of a kind. So it was all customized. And so I was there to have my ring size. You never had to learn, like, sneak away and know the size of my finger. Well, no, and we had to kind of do that anyways, because even you were like, I don't know what size my finger is anymore, (laughs) because a lot of the rings you had didn't fit. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that it was before. Oh, my finger used to be a size six. I don't know. I think at one point we talked about it at one point. I'm like 80 pounds heavier than I was then. Well, I'm not. Yes, I realize that. I'm also fairly heavier than I was in high school. <laughs> but my hands, uh, I don't know, same. my hands didn't gain weight from with me. They just stayed skinny. <laughs> I also stopped playing piano. I got skinny hands. <laughs> I, for the most part, stopped playing piano. Anyway, yeah, ADHD. Wow. Yes. Back okay. to the story. One of the things that brought Average Andrew and Trilly Twisted together is rock climbing. It just so happened that CWU had an amazing rock wall in the student center. One of the major knots you learn is the figure eight knot. Oh, I see where this is going. Yep, yep, yep. This is how you tie the rope onto your harness, and which literally ties the climber to the belayer on the ground. Average Andrew tries a few experiments and finds that he can, with lots of effort, tie metal strands into the same knot. Average Andrew is also operating on a very tight budget, so before ordering golden diamonds, he needs to figure out a few things first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's probably a good thing. Yes. First is what size and setting the diamond should be in. Truly, Trista doesn't like huge diamonds. Average Andrew's wallet takes a huge sigh of relief. (laughs) (laughs) Also, fun fact about our engagement ring. Um, they're all heirloom stones, and it's also not a diamond in the middle. Nope, it's not. So. Those will be trivia things later. Fitting any diamond inside a metal knot is still going to be a challenge, though. So in order to figure this out, Average Andrew orders a bunch of settings and cubic zirconia stones in different sizes to practice with first. Those are much cheaper. Yes, yes they are. Understandable. Using practice metals like copper and nickel silver, he makes many trial rings, both to get the material sizing correct and figure out the working process. The other advantage to this is with spare cubic zirconias and mounts, he is able to make other four fun rings, which came in handy later. $600 may not be a lot on average to spend on an engagement ring, but when you are in college, that's like 99% of your budget. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Totally fair enough. Once again, very happy for the heirloom stone part. Mm-hmm. Especially since I'm allergic to nickel. Yes. Well, and your guys' ring was still fairly expensive. Yes. Because I got it platinum. Right. Any silver or gold gets mixed with nickel so if this is the ring i'm wearing for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. that's not gonna go well yep yeah so we spent spent twenty four hundred dollars yeah it's still which very expensive yes it is but it's not terrible it's really not horrible and that also includes the wedding band yeah right which contours around the engagement sorry we're anyways adhd i've never talked about this on the podcast i'm like listen 
Average Andrew didn't even have money for a delicious Applebee's bourbon street steak. <laughs> it also, I'm sorry. It also didn't help that he decided to use a technique called marriage of metals, which required a specially blended white gold from the East Coast. Twisting the two strands of white and yellow gold together and then drawing them down into one single strand took almost two days to do correctly. Jesus. With the single strand made, he starts tying the knot. Dun-dun-ts. You're funny. <laughs> and sets wow. the stone. Afterward, he realizes he still has a fair amount of leftover gold strand. Enough to make a second ring? Yes! Bonus, Average Andrew manages to make his own wedding ring as well, just without a second. <laughs> cool. You know what? You cool. Get, you get what you can get, yeah. you know? That's pretty cool, though. I'm not doing that for your wedding band. No, I don't expect you to, and I'm sorry I didn't learn how to do metal, metal work. making. Metal making and jewelry making. Oh, fingers. I have so many ideas for your wedding band. It's just not that. No, it's fine. Also, I found it on Walmart. Okay. <laughs> I'm not getting it from Walmart, but Walmart does sell it. That's great. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> hmm, but now how to ask Trilly Trista. He may need help with this, he thinks. Wingman Wayne. Oh, here we go. <laughs> lives too far away. <laughs> but how about Brother Boy? Brother Boy is actually Trilly Trista's brother. He's a good person and is all in on average Andrew's plan. So, Trilly Trista's birthday's coming up. Average Andrew informs her that for her birthday, they are going rock climbing at a nearby rock formation. As Trilly Trista knows, Average Andrew has been spending a lot of time in the jewelry lab. The morning of her birthday, he also gives her one of the four fun rings he's been working on. This one is all sterling silver with blue and green glass enamel sections, as well as a total of five cubic zirconia, three on top and two on the underside, which were <clears throat> not at all practice for setting a diamond. <laughs> not at all. What do you mean? Not at all. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the three stooges head out to climbing. About an hour into climbing, Trilly Trista turns to Average Andrew and Brother Boy and says, man, I'm just getting rocks for my birthday. <laughs> This gets a fair bit of laughter by all, but truly Trista is confused why Average Andrew and Brother Boy find this joke especially funny. Because it is. It's pretty funny. Little do you know. Now, in order for Average Andrew's plan to work, he needs truly Trista to climb a route first. This is called lead climbing. The reason this is, is so when Average Andrew grows up later, the rope is already on the wall. This will make it so there's one rope from the top of the route that goes straight down to Trilly Trista as she will be belaying him. Yep. Trilly Trista thankfully decides to take on a lead climb that day, so with the rope on the wall already, Average Andrew puts some special cargo in his pocket. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> and heads up the wall. Brother Boy decides to video record this climb for no particular reason. None. No reason at all. Not a clue why, just because. What? Just because. <laughs> <laughs> also, gentlemen. When you are doing something like this, and you think your lady friend doesn't know, first oh, of all. Oh, yeah, I know. She, she knows. knows. We're not obvious. <laughs> we're, not, we're not oblivious. You've been spending either. a lot of time in the jewelry lab. Second of all, that box in your pocket stands out a lot more than you think. Dude, Listen. I was trying to get you to hide it. When, we were, when you were proposing to her, I'm like, dude, she can see it. Listen, if we had better ways of hiding such things, it really would be easy, but it's not. Well, you could have given it to me or Brendan. It wouldn't. You. Where would you put it? <laughs> In her backpack. Also, I also had a backpack. Which you didn't use. No, because then I would have had to get it out of the backpack, and that's not very fun to do. No, but the giant hexagonal box in your pocket isn't obvious at all. I had my hand around it. If the you did. I did. I saw it. I did. You're so full of Anyways, I, it's not like it was really that much of a surprise. <laughs> it wasn't really intended to be. That's true. By the end of it, it's not like it was really that much of a surprise. 
Anyways. Okay. But there are some similarities between our stories. So. Yes. Once at the top, Average Andrew cleans the route, so all of the gears removed from the wall. No worries, he's still protected. Make sure his sweaty fingers can still hold on to the precious cargo. Clips the ring onto the rope with a carabiner and turns to Trilly Trista yelling over the wind, Trilly Trista, I love you and want to spend the rest of my life with you. Will you marry me? And then sends the ring down the rope. Now, the thing Average Andrew hadn't really considered until this moment. <laughs> oh, no. I had a feeling something was coming. Is if she said no. He's kind of stuck on top of this rock wall. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Thankfully, though, that didn't happen. She said yes with a huge smile. That's Aww. good. That was 10 years ago, and I'm happy to report that the rings have held up really well. I'll send a few photos to you guys through my Insta, my twit face. <laughs> also, Extra, excellent. Also, if you didn't catch on, Trilly Trista's name is a play on a trill because she plays the viola. Yes, I married one of you crazy music people. <laughs> hey, we're <Nice>. not crazy. <laughs> Listen here, Linda. Wheels down, wings up, turbo the trucker. Thanks. So we also had to climb a uh, rock structure. Yeah, yeah it was it a wasn't, waterfall. It wasn't true rock climbing, though. No. no. I've done true rock climbing. I have. Well, look at you. I've done all these things that they're talking about. I knew how to tie a figure eight a long time ago. That was a previous life. I'm good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Y'all don't know what that, that's <laughs> from. Tragic. Great story, and yes, I want the pictures. Yes, please. Yes, them. definitely. Sorry to interject our story, but uh, that's how ADHD people relate. Yes. Or something. And Christy's severe ADHD. Me too. Okay, future trivia questions. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> while Wonderful. she does that, last story from our listener, Leo. Which, I, are you a patron too? I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, I think so. Goes by he and him pronouns. Also, pronouns are my favorite word type. That's great. Glad great. to hear it. Uh, he's from near Toronto. Yes, this is the patron. Ontario, Canada. Yes, this is the patron. Yes, because uh, is he a patron? I think so. Yes. We were talking about how we had a patron in Toronto, oh. and it was Leo. Oh, 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 oh. okay. And they were, I just Leo, was too, Leo was the one that I think we messaged and was too far away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. When we were in Toronto? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, this story is called My Mom's First Day in Canada. Hey! Hi, gang! This isn't my story, but it's a story told to me by my mom. Okay. And Hi, Leo's mom. Hi. Hi, Leo's mom. <laughs> and Leo. <laughs> and Leo. In 1991, my mom moved to Canada to be with my dad. My dad, a Canadian by this point, but born in Chile, met her while he was on vacation in Cuba. What a world traveling trip that was right there. <laughs> they fell in love and eventually married in Cuba. After the marriage, my dad managed to do all the work so my mom could move to Canada. That's nice. On this yeah. day, my mom sent a telegraph to my dad. Yes, wow. a telegraph in 1991. All I right. think it would have been someone sending a voice message to my dad. Before she boarded a flight to Montreal. Apparently, the person that was supposed to help her around was useless and had to navigate the airport systems pretty much by herself. By the way, she was 18 at the time. When she arrived in Montreal, she had to find a shuttle bus to get to the other airport in the Montreal area to get a flight to Toronto. That's not a problem anymore because Mirabelle doesn't do commercial service anymore, even though that's the airport they should have used because it's the one that's not in the middle of the city. Yeah. Whole tirade. Sorry. Little tangent. But now it's all out of Trudeau. It's this almost be a problem like anymore. you could figure out where Nick works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, can we complain about the fact that Montreal's a curfew? Yes. What the hell? That airport is a disaster. Any airport with a curfew. Why? Yes. Heathrow. Why? That is the stupidest airport in the world. <laughs> Reason 562 to hate Heathrow. Yes. Continue. Okay. 
When she finally got to Toronto, my dad wasn't there. Apparently, the telegraph never got to my dad. She asked an airport employee, probably via a translator, she only spoke Spanish at the time, to help her call my dad. He initially didn't believe it, but eventually he sent his friend to pick her up and drop her off at my dad's place, as my dad didn't have a car at the time. Apparently, while she was waiting, she was playing with the automatic sliding doors, as she had never seen them before in Cuba. Cool. Anyways, that was a fun story I had to tell. Thanks for reading. That's cool. That's cute. It was That's a cute, cute story. The meat cute. Great. And that was it. That was it. That's it. That's we the got, end. We got cute stories. We got interesting war stories. I need crazy ex stories. We got hilarious ex stories. Please send us your crazy ex stories. We got uh, that was so good. Wonderful uh, security training stories. Yeah. We got. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. We got all these things. Man. <laughs> we crazy got stuff. stuff. Thank you all for sending in stories. I really get thoroughly entertained by these and. I wish more people would listen to them. I wish. They're so good. Our our listenership on these are always lower than our regular episodes, but these are so good. You know what's interesting? The reason why we started doing this is a, a podcast that me and Christy listen to a lot, ATWWD, which, by the way, not an ad, but they're nope. great if you like our content. And that's why we drink. I feel like yeah. we used to talk about them a lot more. We don't yeah. really anymore. But like, if you have not listened to them, you should. If you like our podcast, you might like them. But they do listener episodes. Yes. They have a lot of people. They have a lot more listeners, and they have yes. a lot of people sending in stuff all oh, the yeah. time. Oh, yeah. They're, they're big time. They've been like number one on the lists at times. Like Yeah. Of, they have- po- Of podcasts. They the have world. an assistant that pre-reads all of the listener yes. stories. God bless Eva. Well, they get so many, I imagine they and have And she to. picks what ones they actually end up reading. Yes, we don't have that many. But so. they, they do one at the beginning of every month, and they're so entertaining, and I forget how entertaining they are until I listen to them. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's exactly like ours. They're I, super entertaining. Oh, yeah. If I thought we had the listenership for that, I would love to do a whole podcast of just listener stories because it's just so much fun. I love there telling- There's so many TikTokers that do that. I love telling people stories because I'm a storyteller too, but also I think they're just so funny or good or heartwarming like they're just so so fun so fun we laugh we cry yes this is always a, a roller coaster it is it really <laughs> i haven't is. cried in a while that is not an invitation david no. that's not an invitation don't make me cry anyway anyway <laughs> thanks for listening again if you have a story that you want to send in we kind of just read whatever so we really do if <laughs> at this not, point if it's not aviation based that's okay Tell us a story. I asked for Crazy X stories. That's not aviation related. Because there's, I think there's several people that have like emailed us and said, well, I don't have any aviation stories. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I thought you were going to say there are several people who don't have Crazy X stories. I'm like, I'm not talking about them. (laughs) Everybody has Crazy X stories. Listen, living in a post-COVID world, sometimes telling your own stories, no matter what they are, is a way of human connection. And we all need that these days. So do send it. us your story. Do it. Send us a story. We'll read it. Uh, we have another full episode ready to go after this. Yes. So you we, should be. You should probably get that with like in the next month or so. Yeah. We we're, we really are getting caught up now. Yes. Like, man, we've managed um, to do two of these in pretty short order. So yeah. So and and then we'll need more for the one after that because like I said, there's four stories for that one and we need yep. nine. So we need five more for that one. So if you have a story you would like to tell us, you just send it in. Yep. There's a link on the website. Yep. Do the thing. Do the thing. All right, people. Thanks so much for listening. We do appreciate it. If you decide to check out the Patreon, that would be greatly appreciated. But yes. how, you just listening to this is good. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. It is support enough. Yes. yes. 
We do appreciate it. You should check out some of the other cool stuff on our website, though, like the newsletters. Yes. And the merch page. Most definitely. Because we have some cool stuff. We got some new merch coming in. Yep. At some point. Yes. We're going to revamp a little bit because so many things have gone unavailable and there's a lot of new stuff. So. Yeah. I should do do some swapping outs. I should do that this week, actually. That's fair. (laughs) Since I have time. Might do that tomorrow. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Uh, Send in your stories. We hope you have a safe and healthy week. We'll catch you all next Next time. time. Whenever that is. Keep Keep your speed up. Thank you to everyone who submitted their story for this episode. We are your hosts, Nick, Miranda, and Christy. Our theme music was composed by Miranda and performed by all three of us, plus Leo. Our logo is by Naomi from Not a Monster, Not a Boogeyman. To submit your aviation story, go to hardlandingspodcast.com. And check us out on social media. Catch you next time.